Welcome to the show, guys. How's it going? Doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Koei yeah. thinks he looks too brown in this image, but that's the setup we have. I mean, <laughs> we are in a... We are pretty close to the beach, and we we just kept going to the beach. So just like I got so much talent lately. Love it, nice. Well, I know when I go to the beach, I get more red than than like golden. That's unfortunately, what so a little jealous. <laughs> All right. Well, hey everyone, welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host uh, today on the show. We have uh, two awesome guests, Paolo and Kohei from Senate Labs. And uh, guys, we're getting a little bit of an echo. Do you have a uh, a way to uh, to to work on the echo? Yeah, maybe. Is it better now? Let's see. So it's when I talk. So yeah, I think it's better now. Yep. Great. Cool. Nice job, guys. Okay. Thank you. Um, all right. So as everyone can tell, we are recording live. Uh, we will publish this to our podcast feed later in the day, possibly with the prior uh, part uh, cut out, possibly not. As so apologies in advance for any uh, issues with the live stream and technical difficulties. As always, the first half of the show will be the Just Out at News Report. And the second half of the show, we will go deeper into an interview with our guests. Um, just so everyone knows, uh, my name is Adam Miller. I'm the founder of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, a couple of years ago, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. Paolo, Kohei, would you please give brief introductions to yourselves as well before we jump into the news? Sure thing. You want to go first? You go. Okay. Hey, guys. My name is Kohei. Um, I, I think like my background is DeFi. I used to work at Index Co-op which is a DeFi protocol making DeFi Index. I was there like one and a half year ago. Really fun. That was my first experience in Dell. And um, yeah, since then, um, we just keep building governance tooling, which is, uh, I guess, like uh, later on, like we're going to talk about Senate product. You yes, we will, I think. Um, I'm Paulo. I'm a designer by training and... Um, I've been into the crypto space since DDAO, the original one, where it was a lot of fun and a lot of drama and uh, all that. And um, uh, since two years ago, I've been dedicated full-time into Web3 and DAOs, and I helped create uh, RNDAO as well and been participating in a bunch of DAOs. And now more recently, for like almost a year ago, I've uh, been working on Senate. Awesome. And for anyone who doesn't know, the DAO was the first DAO. Uh, it was on Ethereum and it almost broke Ethereum, I guess, depending on yeah. who you ask. But it caused a major uh, issue where Ethereum did its only uh, unplanned hard fork ever um, to, to actually reverse this hack that had taken place of the DAO. Um, well, which was caused... hack, hack is a strong word, but yeah. Oh, interesting. It was, why don't you go say, say, say what you mean by that? I think it'd be interesting for some folks. Yeah, I mean, um, the code did what the code was supposed to do, right? Someone found an exploit on the code and they uh, were ma managed to drain the, the DAO funds, basically. And at the time, the biggest debate was like, should it fork or should it just run? And then uh, Ethereum Classic is still running. I think that, that DAO is still being uh, drained in Ethereum Classic mm -hmm. right now. True. Because yeah. it's in Stockholm, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, on our normal Ethereum here, um, it was uh, art forked and people could uh, retrieve their money. But it was uh, it was actually a big a big thing at the time because that contract captured fifteen percent of all Ethereum at the time, which is a lot of money then and much more money now. So 
It was quite yeah. a deal. Yeah. And, you know, just to dig into it a little bit more, you know, we'll talk a little bit about issues around like what is law, what is code, is code law, those kinds of things later in the show. Um, but what 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 uh, Pelos is kind of talking about here is, you know, some people said, look, if you use a smart contract without literally hacking it, like you're just using like a, a bug in the code, for example, to take all the money. Is that hacking or is that not hacking? Is, is that, that breaking the law or, or is it not? Yeah. Right. Now, actually, I think uh, folks have actually been found guilty in court for doing that kind of thing. I mean, the, I think the, the language they use in the courts is like using a computer uh, program in a way that is not in, clearly not intended to take money, right? Something like that. It has mm -hmm. been found to be illegal. Um, so I, I think the jury has, is kind of uh, on the side of, um, like if it's, if it's basically ha hack, it's a hack, even if you technically are just using the code the way it's intended. Um, but, uh, anyways, okay, let's turn to the news report. Um, and again, uh, right after the news report, we will turn to a more in-depth interview with our guests about what they're working on and, uh, their background in web three and, and thoughts on, on DAOs and where we're going and how to get there and all that good stuff. So for the just DAO at news report. The first article of the week is from Coindesk. The headline is, Privacy Mixer Tornado Cash is an entity, Judge says. We have yet another court ruling finding a decentralized autonomous organization is an association. Okay, so, you know, I love these stories, of course, because the whole point of what my company, MyDAO, does is we help people create legal entities, which means that they're, they're not going to have this exact issue. And, and the issue that's at play here is basically any group of people in virtually any country in the world that gets together and engages in some kind of common enterprise, there's a default treatment according to the law. And that default treatment is basically that you call that group of people an unincorporated association. And there's some other words for it too. And what happens in an unincorporated association is everyone involved is, is held responsible and liable for the actions of, of the organization and everyone else involved. And so anytime there's like a name of something, right? If you're calling it tornado cash or you're calling it like smoothie shop or you're calling it like light bulb fixers, right? Like even if you're, you don't think of it as like an entity possibly, but the government is going to say that's an entity. And because you, you haven't actually registered it, everyone is liable for everything which means people here could be held liable. It's a whole separate issue, whether Tornado Cash should be legal or not. It's also an interesting discussion. Um, but assuming it is found to be illegal in some way, the people involved, they could lose their houses. They could lose, they could lose all their money because the court could take it from them. And I think the solution that's become fairly well accepted by folks working in the DAO space uh, is that DAOs need to, uh, in most cases, DAOs need to incorporate in some way, right? They have to find an entity that will protect their members from that unlimited liability. Um, and there are exceptions. And I don't know if you guys are, you know, maybe familiar with any cases where that clearly is not what a DAO should do. But, but generally speaking, if you're a DAO that's trying to operate a business, a DeFi protocol, a DAP, uh, whatever, usually it's a good idea to incorporate. So guys, any other reactions to what we saw here with Tornado Cash over the past couple of weeks? I mean, it reminds me that the, there's good reasons to be Anon in this space. <laughs> <laughs> it's always that uh, periodic reminder of like, uh, well, uh, somewhere someone could found you guilty of something like this. And uh, 
Um, to my mind, uh, the only protection that there is for that is to be completely anon and seriously anon, which is not what most people do, but but seriously anon. Um, but uh, yeah, in the case of Tornado Cash, I think it's um, um, someone is trying to teach a lesson to us in the space that if we do things that may sound a little bit dangerous, people will go to jail and making an example out of it, which we've seen before in other examples. And uh, it's always uh, a reality check, I guess, for people that are operating in the space. Yeah. Yeah, good point. And I think, you know, when you talk about people being anon or anonymous, um, I, th I think there really are two types of DAOs. And I've talked about this before on the show, but there are what I call evolutionary DAOs and revolutionary DAOs. Yeah. Now, evolutionary DAOs are the ones that are just trying to do something better and new. They, they're, they're probably not like, borderline breaking the law they're just trying to like run a business or build a piece of software and in most of those cases you know it's probably fine for everyone not to be completely anonymous right you're not that worried that like if someone finds out what you're up to well you're maybe you formed a DAO LLC in the Marshall Islands like we do and you'll be fine right but then you do have the revolutionary DAOs and one of the really amazing things about what we're building in the DAO space is that just like crypto is censorship resistant money DAOs are censorship resistant organizations and so when you have a case where you do want to create an organization where people can coordinate, they can share money, they can share control over software, have a shared mission, and actually try to be completely anonymous, now there's a way to do that, which there never was before. And so especially when you look at situations where you're trying to be subversive to a government or hide your activity from a government, which often is for very morally righteous reasons, right? I mean, an example I like to use is the Canadian trucker protests a year or two ago, where the Canadian uh, uh, government uh, re remarkably uh, paused everyone's bank accounts who were protesting so that they would stop protesting. Well, you know, next time there's a Canadian trucker protest, I think there's going to be a Canadian trucker DAO so that all the truckers can anonymously organize, raise money collectively, spend that money collectively, um, whether it's on lobbying or buying food for the truckers or whatever it is. And there's no way the government can shut that down. Um, so, I, so I do think the revolutionary DAOs are also a really interesting use case, even though it's not what probably most of us are working on. At least not... And not in the way that we're um, public with our faces, at least. Yeah, right. If we're working on it, then nobody knows. Nobody knows, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, second article of the week. Uh, this is from Bankless Publishing, which I, I always highly recommend. Um, and the article is... Uh, and by the way, we haven't, haven't had an episode in a few weeks. So this article is actually from a couple weeks ago. The article is uh, headlined, What is the Law of Chains? Optimism introduces a framework to enable scaling that defies gravity. All right. So first of all, optimism, in case anyone doesn't know, is one of the leading new uh, layer two rollups on Ethereum. So it's a scaling solution for Ethereum. Uh, it allows people to have transactions that cost like a penny or two instead of a dollar or two or more. Um, and one of the cool things about optimism is that everything they've done is open source. And they're really encouraging people to, to copy what they've done. So I think, uh, for example, uh, Coinbase's new public blockchain base, I, I think, is an optimism blockchain, right? So it's basically using the optimism technology uh, to, uh, to start another layer two roll up on Ethereum. And optimism wants people to do this, right? Their dream is there are hundreds or thousands of optimism based chains run by 
you know, whoever wants to start, I mean, I don't know if you could say blockchain is run by anyone, but started by, you know, various groups and, and, and for various purposes. And uh, this, this article talks about, so what they call the law of chains is kind of like a way of organizing all of these different blockchains so that they are both separate and that they they still collaborate and work together in some ways. So for example, they should all, if possible, contribute to the code base of Optimism so that they can all grow together. And they should all have some kind of like shared governance mechanism so they can coordinate together. And uh, one of the interesting takes, which again relates to this kind of legal issue is, well, people like to use the word law, uh, but there's nothing legally binding or law related about the law of chains. Really, it's it's kind of like a culture and it's a culture that everyone's going to be encouraged to adopt, but not something everyone has to adopt. So what do you guys think about the law of chains, guys? It's kind of a good um, good etiquette, right? A while ago, there was something around uh, Polygon where uh, some other project that I don't remember which one it was copied some ZK code, ZK code from Polygon, and the Polygon people were like, "Yo, guys, at least you could tell that you copied from us." Uh, so there is kind of an etiquette in the space of uh, it's open source; you can fork it, you can clone it, you can do whatever you want. At least attribute some of it, or don't claim it that you invented it without uh, without uh, attribution. Uh, I think there is some etiquette around that, yeah, in space, and there should be because um, we're all operating into in, in with the you know with the positioning of if we open source our stuff, it's because we want the ecosystem to grow, and sometimes some groups have the kind of shady attitude of just yeah. <laughs> stealing it, and it doesn't take advantage. Right? Take advantage, it doesn't sit well. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Like. It's it's definitely not healthy ecosystem that we, we can just keep doing it. I think like we just need to better structure the license, like rather than just like open source it. Like I think like um, I can't remember exactly, but MetaMask I think have unique license which is like anyone can fork it and copy, but some, still some parts of it, yeah, some parts of it. But like it, I think like there, there was some like a limitation of the number of users that they can hold. And um, yeah, what just happened? <laughs> Michael, what just happened? No, For anyone who's not watching, there were just like balloons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Mac OS is being funny with uh, you do gestures. Oh, yeah. Do. Oh, this, you guys have the beta. Yeah, it's a beta. <laughs> yeah. right. yeah, I mean, oh, always be trying beta stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I know. I just got the iOS beta, which I love. So, I, I don't blame you and the watch OS. So, I'm, I'm right behind you. <laughs> All right, yeah, cool. Well, say is yeah. that we, we can't just open source it. We have to kind of have like a better knowledge and, you know, um, system about licensing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. I mean, I'm a big fan of just kind of uh, making something open and letting and encouraging people to copy it and not really requiring them to, um, you know, follow any rules. Uh, but I think there's definitely, you know, use cases for both scenarios. I mean, in some ways, this law of chains is even though it's totally informal, it's more organized than probably most layer one blockchains, including Ethereum, where it really started out as like, there's no, there's no rules, right? Everyone's validators get to choose. Yeah, there's a foundation, there's Vitalik, everyone of course listens to because he's such a respectable and smart guy. Um, but then in this case, they're saying, hey, look, we're suggesting 
a certain code for how we all operate, social code for how we operate together. And then I guess at the other extreme is actually having rules and license, you know, requirements and, and stuff like that for and how bureaucracy people should and collaborate. And all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. So the next article of the week. This article is from Unchained, which is, is actually a podcast, but they publish summaries to their, to their blog. And the headline is, Can Makers Rune Christensen Fix the Sad State of oh, DAO Governance? I saw the tweet the other day. It was so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so what, why, don't you, why don't you start, uh, Kohei? What, what, what are, what's going on here? What, did, what was the tweet about and what's your reaction? Yep. Uh, I, I gotta be honest, like I was pretty, uh, you know, I was I was like digging into and reading MakerDAO forums and proposals quite a lot till like the end of last year. But since we started this new journey uh, called Endgame, essentially Rune founder MakerDAO is currently is trying to like restructure the whole mechanic and you know like a role structure of MakerDAO from the scratch. And it became chaotic and he constantly changed the plan over and over. Um, so uh, I just wanted to say that I don't have full context, but I have so many Maker friends who left there. It's because of these um, runes. I, I don't want to call it crazy move, but quite... Um, confusing and kind of hard to understand the the full vision of what he's trying to do because like literally um the whole governance there's are two important people contributors at maker call um who are facilitating governance call governance facilitator and they just left maker it's because of the the whole chaotic uh runes plan so Mm. Yeah, to me, it's kind of looked like um, it looks like it's a challenging time. At the same time, we have to remember that Maker always, like you know, you know, go through these challenges all the time. Like when they started this, um, they, they had the initial DeFi protocol started this complete DAO structure without foundation, mm -hmm. and people criticize a lot, but they kind of found a way to keep, keep going and, you know, they became one of the largest, you know, decentralized stablecoin. Uh, so now to me, it looks like total chaotic and, you know, it's just, Ooh. it looks like it, it's not working at the same time. Yeah, like he might, I mean, they might gonna find a way. And- yeah, um, They or he? What? They or he? Uh, well, the question. I, well <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna say they because, um, one of my one of our angel and also close friend called Du is pretty committed to uh, to make it that one. He uh, when I met him at ETCC like a couple months ago, he was like passionately talking about the new journey of Maker. So there gotta be something that we haven't seen like in public. Mm -hmm. So they might gotta yeah. find a way. Let's see. Well, I, I love that take because you already brought a totally different perspective from what's on Unchained. I mean, Unchained is like one of the original crypto podcasts, big audience, famous uh, host, Laura Shin. And the perspective from this podcast is 100% Rune Christensen's perspective. And, yeah. and so like a couple of things I want to point out here. One is, you know, I forget what the bankless guys like to call 
like the the like famous guy or person usually guy unfortunately associated with some kind of like project and that's always a risk like that's always like a red flag like if everyone's like oh if we want to know about maker let's talk to rune christensen and when rune christensen says something it's two million two thousand retweets and interviewed yeah. by all these famous podcast hosts that alone can be uh, concerning and it's like okay well let's be careful when we listen to what he has to say because you know it really in the long run most things in crypto including maker they're not meant to be centralized they're not meant to have one strong leader um so right away that's a red flag and what i love about what you just shared also is like the perspective from moon christensen is decentralization doesn't work in this context, like DAOs, he's saying DAOs don't work. I mean, what was the quote? He says, um, sad state of DAO governance. Like he's totally saying DAOs don't work. So I needed to come in and centralize and come up with what he calls the end game plan, which sounds like so authoritarian. Let's and, end everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's like now maybe things will work. And not only that, but he's saying the rest of the DAO ecosystem, listen up. Here's how you fix DAOs, right? Do what I'm doing. And yet you just told us that two of the main contributors left and everyone involved in the ecosystem is there's there's chaos and they're and they're leaving or they're thinking about leaving. So clearly it depends who you talk to. I mean, I already was going to kind of take issue with the quote unquote sad state of Dow governance. You know, I think for one thing, there's so many DAOs and just like other companies, like not every DAO is going to succeed. Companies go through really difficult times, especially in a bear market when money's tight. Like just because you're going through an extremely difficult experience doesn't mean that DAO governance is broken. Not that we don't have work to do also to make it better, but I just think that's a bit of a stretch. So I don't know. Paolo, do you also want to add anything here? I mean, um, yeah, I found it really ironic that, um, People even consider that it is possible that one single person is going to fix our governance. That's that's kind of a stupid title, but it's a mm. clickbaity title, so I get it why yeah. it did it, yeah. right? But uh, uh, we should also take into account that Maker has always been the type of culture where most people are anon, most people don't give a crap about what happens, uh, what they say about whatever. So they uh, are very uh, confrontational, very controversial, very contrarian by default. So a culture like that, before Rune started with the whole endgame thing, it was really chaotic. Like it was probably the most chaotic high stakes managing billions of dollars now that existed, right? So it kind of has a point that it was not working on their, uh, on their case. But so a lot of people that were involved in there, despite all the chaos, they were still proud of it still works. It's still safe. It has still not been exploited. It's still not, it's still, mm -hmm. it still exists, right? Um, and I guess he had bigger plans for it than what the community was leading to. And he did the, and mm. he did this move, right? Um, let's see. Let's see if he fixes the algorithms. Let's see what happens with Maker after all this, right? Because what mm -hmm. some people are saying is that, oh, okay, now they want to do a lot of things. They want to be a lending protocol and they want to be a VC and they want to be a blah, blah, blah. So now there's a bunch of things that Maker wants to be with this new plan, which let's mm -hmm. see. And, and you know what's funny is that uh, last time when I saw the uh, endgame forum post, like summary of endgame plan, she was talking about building new chain to <laughs> And also yeah, building yeah, wow. new new stablecoin uh, beside that. So I'm like, and the climate wow. fund and the blah blah, a bunch of stuff. Bunch of stuff. Wow. Like it's, so th this is the whole reason why uh, people struggling to like even maker people struggling to 
to you know to follow and you know contribute yeah. it's just like so many things are going on which i think it's kind of makes sense because seriously dao is not working like i i think we have to admit that there are many problems that we are kind of have to solve so i think it's a good move that he even like think about the size of maker it's insanely big and mm-hmm. normal people can't take risk of starting from scratch so that's what i like about rune he has a ball to take risk and take you know experiment new things to uh to to innovate and build new things so that's what i like about him but yeah oh let's see let's see let's see (laughs) so wait kohei did you also just say that DAOs are not working yeah i think like there are a bunch of problems like especially uh we are heavily focusing DAO governance and uh there's so many problems yeah what, so what's what's the biggest problem from from your view? Uh, it really depends on which what kind of DAO you want to talk. But especially for DeFi protocols, I see a lot of problem in uh, the the mechanism of how governance works. Because you know initially DAO governance was more like a pure democratic way of the whole community voting to decide everything, which we learned that it's not really working, you know, especially for DeFi protocols. It became, last month, last year, he moved on to this delegation mechanism, which, you know, no, you know, people who are not willing to participate, delegate a voting right to, you know, some influencers, you know, who are uh, people who are motivated to participate. It's cool. We got a little bit more participation rate, but the problem that, maker and lots of DeFi protocols were like are struggling is that like those delegates are not really specialized in uh, all the proposals they're voting. Imagine non-technical delegates voting for technical proposals because they are delegated and they have to do it. Of course it's you know it's not gonna work. Um so and you know Kind of like sometimes governance can be, you know, the task that you just do for the sake of, you know, checking box. So this is a pretty good, you know, uh, this I think like this is a big problem and also opportunity for DeFi protocols to think about better structure of governance, which I think it's more like council, you know, expertise based council model. But yeah, this is one thing. Yeah, some of them are experimenting with it, especially in the DeFi. Yep. Some of them are experiment with no governance at all, like yeah, uh, yeah. national finance and all that. So there's a bunch of uh, new approaches because there's kind of a disappointment with the current default uh, way of doing it. Uh, and I mean, token weighted delegation, uh, governor, compound bravo, blah, 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 right? Um, yeah, but it's, I, I love it that there's experimentation at least. I love it that there's people trying. Well, let's try no governance. Let's try it's enshrined in the mm-hmm. protocol forever. Nobody can change it, and then the user has to figure out uh, what parameters they they choose, um, or whatever other approach, or algorithm or algorithmic uh, governance, or AI governance, or whatever it is. Right. So those are all cool uh, experiments that people I think people should try. Um, it's also a little bit too much to judge the whole space just from the DeFi protocol experiences where. Indeed, you need a lot of expertise to vote in some proposals. Like nobody knows if the percentage of you know lending of in this token on Aave on this 
I mean, it's nobody knows, right? They see the recommendation from the experts and they're like, sure, I trust you. You, you didn't screw up yet, so let's vote yes. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so it's kind mm-hmm. of like the decision-making process of most people there, right? Um, but uh, not all DAOs are about that. There are a bunch of DAOs that are not about that. Uh, there are DAOs that are more social. There are DAOs that are more service-oriented. There are DAOs that are more whatever. And so those DAOs um, can kind of work together. And I think they are still struggling with the fact of how much hierarchy do they have and how much uh, how explicit their hierarchy is or not and so on, where things like, for example, hats and management of roles can help now. Um, but yeah, we're still we're still learning. And I think a bunch of people that have been through a couple of DAOs and that have been through uh, DAO drama and stuff like that can uh, have maybe uh, kind of a downer or negative experience because of it from the, the trauma that they've been through, right? Uh, which, we don't <laughs> which, which I mean, we, you know, that's something that we all like. So they are three co-founders, us and I, and that's something that we all share. That's all, that's all mm. we want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like all of us yeah. like left, uh, Dow, uh, it's simply because of the governance shit show. Because some shit show somehow. <laughs> so, so I think it's it's normal that uh, uh, people can be a little bit, uh, you know, disillusioned or disappointed with current state of our governments. But uh, I mean, we cannot judge it too early, right? We just started this. I mean, the first one, the Dow was plus of work, obviously. These ones now, 2021, 2022, uh, were a hype, and people are trying to manage that and we still have a lot of a lot to learn and a lot to do so um i mean yeah. it, it, it's it's on us the builders in the space to make it work and to figure out new ways of doing it and eventually um productize those those offerings and try to do try to offer some value to to, to the ecosystem yeah good point good point all right that's that's really awesome commentary and I can definitely relate to so much of what you guys are talking about and we could probably talk about this stuff forever um forever I'll just like it's literally, literally forever because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like we're we're kind of we're kind of trying to speed run like the history of corporations or you know company businesses and the history of governments, governments. at this but then integrating them and doing it all at the same time because I mean, yes, there's a history of cooperatives like people have in the past tried to run organizations in a more decentralized way, but they were never digital. They were never global. They were they were they never grew as fast as DAOs grow and had such low you know friction to voting and all this stuff. So, I mean, really, it's I think it's very novel Um, and and that's hard. I mean, especially because I think on the corporate side, we do have a lot of lessons learned, not that companies are perfect, but like they work really well. Like a lot of companies work really well. Right. Um, And and then on the government side. I guess probably debatable whether they work really well or not, but still, I think people would say we've had amazing improvement from, you know, feudalism to democracy. Yeah, right, right. And, and so, right. And, and I think, right, we'd agree it's a huge step forward. And at the same time, people would say, well, you know, uh, maybe we'd rather live in America, but look how good China is at like developing AI because they can just take everyone's data and make all the rules and all this <laughs> stuff. And um, and so you could argue, well, hey, maybe authoritarian governments are better at stuff. And so that's the right way to go. Now, you know, I maybe obviously strongly believe in the more democratic approach to everything, not because it'll necessarily always be better or easier. Right. I mean, drama in a democracy, like that's like a regular thing. Right. Maybe what we need is actually just to find the right way to have drama in 
businesses in organizations because it's inevitable if we want to live in a more democratic society. It's not just democratic govern government, but democratic governance over systems and protocols and projects and all this stuff. So um, obviously we want to reduce it. Obviously we want people to have good experiences with DAOs. Otherwise, how do we get you know the world to, to want to adopt DAOs in the first place? But I wonder how much of that will be inevitable. Yeah, I like that the analogy because the, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I think that DAOs are to corporations in the same sense that democracy is to uh, monarchy. And so we, if we think about current or most companies, they still kind of are like a monarchy, right? There is a king, which we call CEO, and then there's like the novelty, which we call the C-suite, and, and they rule everybody else. So um, expressing your opinion in an environment like that is not always welcome. People know the consequence. They'll get fired and so on, right? And it's, it's, it is an effective environment to create value in our uh, current world, obviously. And we've seen companies doing extremely amazing stuff. But also they don't solve all the, products, all the problems that we need, right, in the world to be solved. Um, and, and governments on the other side are not very good at solving uh, all the problems in the world that we need them to solve, right? So there may be a new thing that we can be calling DAOs that would gather the you know uh, decision power of the community to solve more complex pro problems that a uh, centralized entity cannot right at, at least to me that's the kind of a utopic idea and ideal of what the DAO could be and why i'm working in this space because i think that as a species we are facing some problems that we're going to be we're going to have to solve in some way and mm. i don't think it's going to be a government solving them i don't think it's going to be a company solving them maybe something like a bell will maybe solve them. So let's try. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause there's problems we have to solve collectively or they won't be yeah. solved at all. Right. Like I mean, in, the Google, concerning... in the Google scum. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So, awesome. I love this conversation. Okay. And, and we'll later in a bit in 10 or 20 minutes, we'll, we'll talk about how what you're building helps solve some of these problems. Um, but let's turn to the next news story, which is from decrypt. And the headline is, Another kind of negative one. What's a DAO to do? Gitcoin backlash shows crypto governance is more than a meme. Another DAO, another controversy. The latest Gitcoin de debacle has revived an age-old question. Are DAOs really better than the firm? Okay, well, look, first of all, obviously, everyone writing articles has to write clickbait titles, right? So I think if you really dig into this, it's not quite as, as negative as they're suggesting. Um, but what happened was uh, Gitcoin, which is a protocol for funding projects um, and, and making grants to projects, uh, announced that they received a grant from Shell, the Shell Oil Company. I think it was like, I don't know, half a million or $5 million, something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, so that tweet, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, to a lot of people, it's like, sweet, you know, and oh, and it was a grant, I think, to like go after like maybe climate change, either that yeah. or it was just a grant to support stuff in general. And but the, the reaction from some people in the community was, how could you take money from Shell? Like Shell is like they're an oil company. They're the ones causing the problem. So it's either like, how could you work with someone like that? Or this is allowing them to do greenwashing, which is like letting companies pretend to be positive on the environment while they're actually not. Um, and then, you know, the other part of the community, which is probably more where, where I sit, and I'm, I'm not as anti you know, these big companies in the first place anyways, but it's like, look, do you want big oil companies 
giving money to fight climate change or not? <laughs> like, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> Whether it's climate change or supporting blockchain protocols or just Gitcoin or whatever it is, you know, I, I, I don't know. To me, that's a, maybe a more like objectivist view, like just or, or, or to me, it seems more practical. It's like, look, you know, is it good for Gitcoin to get money or not? And I feel the same way about like crim criminals, Jeffrey Epstein. And even like Sam Bankman Freed, would I rather Sam Bankman Freed waste all his money like going to Vegas and like paying for strippers or donating money to like the foundations that are trying to save the world? Right? I'd rather he gives the money to foundations. So may maybe a controversial take. I don't know. But so with the Gitcoin you know, ecosystem, I mean, Gitcoin is governed by a DAO, just like other systems. It also does have you know, a couple big names that, that have been involved, you know, from the beginning. And, and one of them, I think it's Kevin Awaki, not even technically in, uh, officially involved with the protocol, but people still want to get his take on it. And I think he basically said what, what uh, something like what I'm saying, but he said, look, it's an open protocol, which means you cannot stop people from participating at the same time, being an open protocol means you're welcome to criticize it. You're welcome to vote against it. You're welcome to not participate in stuff that's related to the, this particular shell grant, right? Or, or step away for a while or fork it and start your own uh, Gitcoin. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, that's, that's <laughs> so, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if you, like, it's so easy to criticize, but like most of the people just don't know how hard and, you know, how much effort required to actually make a deal and get money from shell. So I am not, I don't have any specific opinion about like, if you're criticizing, like if you think that's wrong, why don't you just fork and make another one? Yeah. And, and it's hard, right? But it's possible for the first time it's, to actually almost, and, and easier than ever, right? I mean, take even like, let's say even you had open source software before, um, but like the biggest company that ran the open source software, let's say it's like Red Hat running Linux. I don't even know if Red Hat's big anymore, but like someone running a big open source thing. And even if the software is open source, only that company knows who all of the customers are and manages those relationships. Now that we're in the world of protocols and crypto, all the activities on chain, you can see the wallet addresses right of every person who's interacting with gitcoin and has ever interacted with it and at what to what extent and and you can find data on who most of those people are because most people aren't necessarily trying to be anonymous and so now if you fork gitcoin you can go find all those people and say hey use my thing instead right i mean you think people call it a vampire attack right you can do it on a dao you can do it on a protocol the open sea had this happen where you know, uh, I think it was maybe it was looks rare. It was one of the new uh, new kind of open sea alternatives yep. said, OK, we're going to airdrop governance tokens to every single person who's ever used open sea and create a new open sea that is decentralized and open and everyone gets to vote on what happens. And, and it's and I, I got some of those tokens and it succeeded. I think my tokens are worth something. They're worth like several hundred dollars, if not even in the thousand, maybe at least during the bull market, it was thousands. And 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 that was my reward for just being willing to consider the forked version of of, of effectively OpenSea, which was a, a totally different platform. So so that's it's easier than ever before if someone wants to fork Gitcoin, I guess is my point. At the same time, that's still really hard. I mean, you still have to like launch a whole new system, a whole new DAO whole new set of smart contracts, whole new, you know, all this stuff, but it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think that the, this whole Gitcoin thing was more of a, a PR failure than anything else, because what happened was mm. they announced that and people were like shocked and then silence from their part, right? No response. Mm. 
And then mm. Milwaukee came came up and it was like, hey, credible neutrality, we need to accept money from everywhere, you cannot control you accept money from Malala, which makes sense. But Gitcoin was like <laughs> trying to not engage with the with the with the mm. outrage, right? Which is mm-hmm. uh, which was not a good move, maybe in this in this space, right? So um I mean I th- I think they could have managed the whole situation a little bit better. But um and and I and I also think there's one valid criticism of all this, which is uh, I mean shall Shell could have put in more money. Like, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. How, how much was that? <laughs> Half a million. Half a million, okay. It could be more, right? But usually, not, right? Without yeah, matching, matching, matching pool, yeah. Okay. Which, which usually, I mean, depends, but on each Gitcoin round, the pools are like 10, 10 million or something like that, which is quite a bit of money to be matched, right? And so they could have put a little bit more for that, for that, uh, for that um, category. Although I think it's in line to what usually happens for each category. But also, it was not just that that happened, right? They did that and they put the money there and they did a partnership with Gitcoin so that Gitcoin then organizes an hackathon, a shell hackathon. So it's not just like totally credibly neutral where mm. Gitcoin is a protocol and shell wanted to put the money and they put it. No. Gitcoin mm. is actually paying shell for putting there the money by organizing an hackathon and stuff like that. So... It's not totally credibly neutral. Uh, and the fact that they didn't re- reply officially to the outrage and it was a walkie that had to do it kind of, but it still is not there. So it's kind of weird as well, right? So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it was a PR yeah. above everything, to be honest. Interesting, yeah. Or discussion for him? No. About... That's, that was also another, another question, is that they are a DAO, but nobody voted for doing a partnership with Shell. I mean, yes. Yeah. You know, for, you know, decision-making, you kind of have to admit that, you know, everything, you know, can't be executed on-chain. Like, you know, like having, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, they are actually, like, in the current state of that, like, they are some core members have a, having power to, yeah. to have a deal with third parties. Yeah. Um, but it's just that, you know, yeah, like, why... I, I think, like, they, these core members of Gitcoins already knew that, you know, this governance drama would happen if, they, them, yeah. if they don't communicate and announce it in advance. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, but I guess, you know, I guess, like, the core member of Gitcoin just wanted to push it and make it happen. Yeah, and by the way... Having, every... you know, while having this risk. Exactly, and, and getting the money, right? Yeah. Because now it's more money that's going to be matched and more people are going to contribute because there's more matching money, more yeah. projects are going to get more money. So that's the ultimate reward. So it makes makes sense. Yep. It's just that, I mean, I think they could have communicated better. And also I think yep. it is kind of unfair for everybody really to kind of unofficially rely on a walkie to come up and do the Twitter thread and be the official communicator when he had already said it was not, I mean... It's not even a Bitcoin it's anymore. It's messy, 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 messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's turn to the last article of the week. This one's actually going to be a tweet thread, or what's it called now? A, po- a post thread on X, <laughs> aka Twitter. It's still Twitter.com. Um, and uh, this is once again, this is like probably the f- fourth or fifth uh, episode in a row that we have a post from Optimism summarizing research done by Lala Lavender who, if you're listening, would still love Mm -hmm. to have you on the show. And uh, so I'm just going to read the tweet thread. It's about 10 10 tweets or posts. 
And uh, here we go. Okay, so from Optimism, which is at Optimism FND, which is the foundation. All right. This week in Lala Lavender's DAO research series, we're exploring one of the most important tools in a DAO's tool belt, communication. Let's get into it. Effective communication isn't just top-down. DAOs need mechanisms to foster two-way conversations. The foundation of any successful DAO is robust communication. As DAOs expand, ensuring everyone is on the same page becomes paramount. This ensures both cohesion and informed decision-making. While there's often ample top-down communication from core teams to the community, the reverse is less prevalent. Prioritizing feedback pathways from contributors is vital. Many of the DAOs studied haven't yet embraced data-driven decision-making outside of risk and financial analysis. Getting to know community members through data and user research is critical for building governance systems that work. Two-way communication is a fundamental component of the Optimism Collective's governance cycles. The Optimism Foundation constantly collects community feedback and incorporates it into the collective's governance design each reflection period. Communication in DAOs isn't just about sharing information. It's about ensuring the DAO is designed for delegates, which requires their input. As always, feel free to draw your own insights by making use of the collective DAO archives and an announcement on what's coming up next week, which is uh, a topic about conflict. So I'll just highlight what I maybe my number one favorite takeaway from this awesome thread, and then we'll turn to you guys as well. Um, I think what's really interesting about if you want to get good information from the entire DAO is different from a company, right? In a company, you just ask managers to ask their subordinates what they think, or just assume that they know what they think because they're meeting all the time and, and kind of make sure the information is flowing up the chain. Maybe you do a survey, sure. But in a DAO, it's almost like your, your community are, are somewhere in between employees and, and users, right? Or customers, and, and when a company wants to know what its users or customers are thinking, you don't just, you don't just ask them, you do user research, right? One of the words that Lala Lavender uses here. And uh, user research, I mean, there's a whole kind of discipline around how do you find out what people really think and what they really want? Um, and, and then how do you incorporate in that into your decision making? And so I think that's really interesting that, you know, that to think that in a DAO, even your contributors, if, if you're like part of, let's say you're a leader of the DAO, which I like to say, even if DAOs don't have managers, they, they have leaders, right? Anyone who's like really involved and is a voice in the community knows a lot of people. Maybe you do have a lot of governance rights or delegated governance rights, right? I think if, if you want to know what everyone really thinks, it's not enough to just let them vote. Right. You've got to actively right, create surveys, gather research, analyze what people are thinking, like really put systems in place to stay on top of that so that you can actually leverage the collective intelligence of the group. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, um, I've, I've been doing user research for a few years. <laughs> and um, actually, the, the, the whole initial concept of R&R was to do research for DAOs. That's why it's called Arendau, mm -hmm. which is research and DAO. And, um, and we did a, an initial project like a year ago, maybe more than a year ago, that is published in the Mirror blog. It's called What's a DAO? And at the time, we found out that there are several metaphors for people to look at organizations, like organizations as an organism, organizations as a brain, organizations as like a mechanical system. And one of them that we found was more adequate for DAOs is organization as a communication, basically, which is what she is um, advocating on that thread, which is 
if you analyze and you study the communication pathways in an organization and who communicates with who and how much and how frequently and how deeply, you kind of get a sense of what the organization is and what's doing and who are the most important people and so on. So I think that the metaphor of looking at DAOs as communication mechanisms and uh, trying to assess if a DAO is healthy, not healthy, effective, not effective, by looking at how they communicate, how people communicate within the DAO, I think it's a good, it's probably the best analogy that we have, other than, you know, token price or <laughs> or anything else, right? Um, and so uh, uh, it makes sense that following this thought process that the tools that we use to communicate within DAOs influence so much how a DAO operates, right? And the fact that we choose Discord or Discourse or Twitter or uh, whatever it is, it influences the medium that we're talking in and it influences what the DAO is because it influences the communication between people, right? So I think that's totally on point. And I think um, when people are creating DAOs and designing DAOs, they should really think deeply about how members will communicate and how often and why and so on, in which tone and uh, the leaders that of those DAOs should see the good communication patterns that they want to see. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And also, um, uh, I also think it's, it's totally... Um, um, adequate to do a shout out to Optimism for them to fund research of this kind because uh, Lala Lander, she also published the DAO Collective Archives a while ago and they're super cool for people that are interested in uh, DAO governance and how DAOs operate and all that. That's a good repository of information. And um, yeah, I love that. At least Optimism is investing on that and then people are paying attention to it. So, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, that does it for the Just Dow It News Report. I'm going to do a quick ad before we turn to the in-depth interview with our guests. It's just an ad for my company, MyDAO. Uh, just a reminder to everyone listening that we focus on legal entity solutions for DAOs and Web3 projects in general. And we also have a partner network of over 100 Web3-focused lawyers, tax advisors, and other professionals that we can connect you with. Or, or if you are a lawyer or a tax advisor, please get in touch to talk about joining our partner network. All right, with that out of the way, let's turn to the featured guest interview. So let's just dig a little bit deeper first into your backgrounds before we turn to what you're doing now. So I know you told a little bit of the story before, but I'd like to know like why and how you got into Web3 and DAOs in the first place. So uh, Paolo, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I'm a designer. I was doing design uh, for 12 years or whatever. I don't count anymore. And uh, at, at some, I've heard about Bitcoin uh, in whatever, 2015, 16. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I was not really into it. But then I heard about DDAO and Ethereum. And I was like, whoa, wait, this is more interesting. Because I was running a company, a design company at the time. And I realized I had no, no skills to run a company. And <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe a DAO, I don't need to run a DAO, right? The DAO uh, is a decentralized organization. Maybe I should try that. And uh, <laughs> that example uh, was there, and I was like, okay, let me get into this. And I got into Ethereum, I got into um, interior, Ethereum mining even, and uh, did a couple, <laughs> a couple of mining things as well with a few friends, and started organizing uh, blockchain meetups in, in Portugal. And um, yeah, and, 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 and getting involved in the space. Uh, always from a design point of view, because... Uh, I was doing UX design and user research and all that and, and, and service design and organizational design and stuff like that. And also advising startups and so on. 
And uh, from my point of view at the time, I was really interested in blockchain uh, technology because of the incentives that it could provide. Like for the first time, you could design an economy if you design the tokenomics of a system and you can influence behavior in a much impactful way than you just design the interface of an app, right? You can influence user behavior by designing the interface of the app and user experience, of course, that's what I was doing. But now if you could, you know, design the whole economic system around that with the tokenomics design, that would be much more powerful. So that's what attracted me to, to blockchain technology and to um, tokenomics and to Ethereum and uh, governance design and all that later. Um, and um, then uh, two years, three years ago, I was like, I was fed up with the corporate world and I was fed up with doing, you know, normal web two uh, design and, and research. And I just started, I just decided I should dedicate myself fully to uh, web three at a time. And uh, yeah, started participating in some DAOs, started to offer service, design service and research service to some DAOs and uh, found it pretty cool because I could, um, you know, do the part of the design process that I really like because I could have, you know, multiple clients, let's say, but I would just do that part, right? I wouldn't need to do a project from end to end, so that was cool. Uh, and I did some facilitated workshops for a few DAOs and so on. And then I found out a, f a few people that uh, had the same uh, uh, goal and desire to create a research DAO, which is called RNDAO, and then did that for um, more than a year. And then found out people that uh, were building governance tooling. And uh, now we're doing Senate. So that's kind of the story until now. Awesome. Love it. All right. And and if anyone's curious to learn more about RNDAO, we've had Daniel Ospina, who's still in RNDAO, on the show a couple of times as well. Um, Kohei, what about yourself? How, how did you get into Web3 and DAOs and why? Yeah. Um... For me, uh, I'm pretty new in the in the crypto space. Um, I joined a space in twenty uh, in the summer of 2021 when NFT hype, you know, happened. Everybody started joining. Um, at the time, I was building um, Web two product, but it just like didn't go well, and I was like started thinking about I probably should bet on new technology that can create totally different market and opportunity. And obviously at the time it was crypto. And, but the thing is that at the time in 2021, DeFi was already proved, NFT was already proved. But what's interesting to me is that there's another one big keyword, DAO, is still unclear. Like when I went to lots of crypto conferences in the summer of 2021, nobody couldn't explain what DAO is. Hmm. It was so abstract and mm -hmm. sounded like they just want to they just like a token for the sake of you know just token like they basically <laughs> seems like they didn't know what that is mm -hmm. so i was like maybe i'm quite late in the space but this could be a place where you know i can build a master product and uh yeah and then um basically i joined all the disco server named dow and one of the one I pretty vibe was Index Co-op. Um, uh, as I explained, Index Co-op is a DeFi protocol, DAO, that is making DeFi index like DPI. Uh, yeah, I joined as a APEC growth, uh, spent like five to six months there. It was really fun. Uh, that was actually my first full-time job um, outside of my startup. And uh, basically what I was doing was 
open up your phone, check all the Discord notifications, talking about uh, our client protocols, our you know product API and stuff with lots of banners. Like my colleagues was potato, big smile, <laughs> lemonade. Like lemonade was actually my boss, and like it was just so fun. Like it was just so different. Yeah. And it just like I started like really fascinating about not specifically DAO, but the concept of internet native organization. And um, yeah, at the same time, the governance shit show happened. It was really brutal. I got burned out and I uh, started more interested in like blockchain governance in general. And uh, yeah, I met Paolo and also another co-founder, Andre, is not here. And uh, yeah, we started building governance tool in. Awesome. I love that you mentioned kind of the conference scene in 2021, because I think at that time and even early 2022, all the, de- first of all, I think that's when the first DAO focused events ever happened. I think, Paolo, yeah. I met you at DAO Denver in early 2022, which I think was the first that event with DAO in the title. The um, and, the uh, or something like that, but yeah. yeah, that's right. You're right. Good point. Um, and, uh, like, a, and every talk was like, you had to say what a DAO is, like you had to define it because a lot yeah. of people in the audience were trying to figure out what is a DAO. And um, I think that's changed over the last couple of years. But what I'm really excited about is this coming bull market, which hopefully is coming soon. It's going to be the same again. It's going to be the audiences are going to be 10 times bigger, but 90% of them are going to be wondering again, what are you even talking about? What is a DAO? So I'm excited to hopefully get to explain that to a lot of people again for the first time. Um, all right. So uh, tell us a bit more about what you guys are working on. So I know it's called Senate or Senate Labs. And uh, yeah, just tell us about what problem does it solve? How does it solve it? Where are you guys at? Where are you going? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird because we've, uh, to me, it's kind of like we've been keeping, we've been thinking about what we're going to do in the future. And now to talk about what we are right now, it's a different thing. And so I have to change modes. We're like, yeah, okay, Senate is. So right now, what we found, especially in the uh, more hardcore governance space, and um, in, especially in the space of delegates and professional delegates and people that really have to vote on proposals, is that it is hard to keep track of all the proposals of all the DAOs that you participate in, right? And so for a bunch of reasons, because you know you participate across multiple DAOs, you should check all the forums, you should have multiple tabs open, you should uh, have your snapshot and on-chain platforms open. It's, it's a mess right now. So um, also DAOs do proposals at random times and they only have like sometimes 24 hours really to vote on. So it's a kind of a hard to uh, guarantee that you always vote on all proposals that you should vote. Um, so it's not a surprise that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of voter participation in DAOs because it's actually, there's a lot of friction in actually participating in, in voting on DAOs. So um, our product currently tries to help a little bit on that. And so if you go to senate.app, you can uh, connect your wallet, subscribe to a bunch of DAOs that are the most popular DAOs, let's say, and you start to get email notifications of new proposals, proposals that are about to end for those DAOs and uh, your own vote status. If your wallet or wallets that you follow um, have already voted on those proposals or not. And, um, and uh, we, so we, we offer that daily notification and now we also offer notifications on Discord and Telegram and so on, on Slack as well. And people can keep track of their voting history. 
they can be notified on time to vote on time so they don't forget to vote on proposals and on senate there's an aggregated interface that where people can see on-chain and off-chain proposals for the most famous DAOs, and from there vote on them as well so that's kind of what we do right now on this context of people should participate in DAO governance more there's a bunch of friction to do that Senate is trying to ease a little bit that experience by putting it all in the same place, serving as you, to you uh, as a user daily on your daily email or on your platform of choice like Discord, Telegram, and so on, and uh, so that you don't forget to vote on proposals at least. And um, yeah, I mean, we've, we're already being used by a bunch of um, uh, delegates in the space where basically their job is actually not to miss to vote on the proposal, right? So yeah. it's kind of important <laughs> that they don't miss. So they kind of rely on Senate not to, not to miss. And sometimes if we have any bug where sometimes we say that you, they haven't voted, but they have, they get like outraged because uh, they rely on it so much. Um, and um, and yeah, so that's what Senate does right now. Um, and uh, we have bigger plans for the future, let's say. Maybe talk about partnership too. All right, I forgot that. Why? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and also, yeah, so uh, what we'll be doing lately as well is that uh, actually we're about to launch a proposal on Ave so that uh, eventually it passes, uh, I mean, ideally it passes, so that we can integrate uh, a Senate um, widget on the AVE forum so that people can sign up for email notification for AVE proposals through the AVE governance forum. Uh, and that's something that we already did for Uniswap, for example. So if you go to Uniswap, uh, gov.uniswap.org right now, which is the Uniswap governance forum, you see a little button at the top that says set up for email, set up email notifications. If you put your email there, you're actually using Senate to receive um, email notifications whenever there's Uniswap proposals. And for those partnerships that we do with those now, we also uh, offer a little bit extra, which is um, every time that there's on-chain proposals that require quorum, and if you know a proposal is ending in six hours and there's not quorum enough of people that voted, we send a special email saying, "Hey guys, this proposal will fail if you not if you don't vote because it doesn't have quorum enough. Go there and vote." Um, so we're doing that for Uniswap already. We're going to be doing that hopefully for that for Ave when our snapshot is ideally approved and it's going to be launched uh, next week. And uh, we're also starting to have more partnerships with more DAOs to do that, so that at least the current governance participants don't need to go check the forum every day and go check the snapshot every day and go check the on-chain governance platform every day to see if they have something to vote. At least they can just relax, mm -hmm. get a daily email. It's all summarized there chill, just click on thing and vote whenever you want. So that's awesome. And I mean, and I, I'm excited for Senate to get huge because, you know, most of the DAOs I participate in are not DeFi DAOs. They're like smaller DAOs that are just doing interesting, more like esoteric things. And I would also love to be able to track, you know, all the proposals, all the discussions, all that stuff. So I'm excited for for that to, to uh, be, be available at some point in the future. But I think what's really smart about what you guys are doing right now that I think other people building DAO tooling could learn from is, is you're, you're being smart about your business model, right? You're serving, you're having, you're partnering with the big DAOs that already have money to pay for what you're doing, right? Even though the value you're providing is largely to their users, right? Their mm -hmm. members. Um, and so I, I think that's really smart because right now there's not enough people who would pay a lot of money for a service like this directly. I think I've told you that I would, at least to some extent. But these big DeFi protocols, that's where the money is right now. So um, I think that's it's a, a good approach. And they, have, um, and they have the pain when they when they see a lot of on-chain proposals failing because of they 
lack okay. quorum. I mean, they feel the yeah. pain at that moment, right? Good so point. they okay. they know that. Uh, I mean, they cannot be um, credible in the sense that they operate as a DAO if only three percent of all token holders vote on yeah. things, right? So that's not yeah. really enough. So uh, they want to have more participation. And so. We can say that people don't participate in voting for immediate reasons, right? There's probably a million reasons why people don't participate in voting. Of course, for on-chain voting, it costs money to vote and there's gas fees to pay and all that, right? But we think that a big, a good part of that reason is people just don't remember. You know, people should just yeah. are not just notified in time or in the right way, in the right moment, right? And so we're taking care of that part. So we're doing the notification part best as we can. And yep. so if you at least want to have better notifications about your proposals, you should go to Senate and, and try it out. Yeah. It makes so much sense to me. I mean, I, I just I I have this that exact problem, right? That there's somewhere I have my bookmarks for all the pages I should be checking for all my DAOs, and I just don't do it. But if there were literally one page that had all that stuff or one app, and especially with notifications, I you know, I would for sure use that. So um that's very cool. So um one of the cool things I think about the position you guys are in is, is all the re user research you have done, right? Even though you're building one very specific thing, you've learned about a lot of the things that DAOs are doing right and wrong. Um, I wonder if you could speak to, you know, either one thing you think DAOs are doing really well uh, that we should keep doing in DAOs or one like biggest mistake that you see DAOs are making today that they need to fix if they want to succeed. That's a big question. Do you have? Uh, I have um, a good thing that some DAOs are doing. For example, Maker used to do that. And it's, it's, it sounds like such a simple thing, but it has impact, which is they have a set schedule to launch proposals. Hmm. On Maker, proposals are always launched at Monday and they end on Thursday, and that's it. So people that regularly vote on Maker already know that they should expect proposals to be voted on from Monday to Thursday, which sounds like a, a tiny little thing. <laughs> so <but> simple. Actually, <laughs> if you try to do that, if you try to have that kind of predictability as an Ave voter, you're screwed mm -hmm. because Ave has proposals all over the all, all over the place, all the time, yeah. with different with different uh, deadlines and and durations, and so. Um, yeah, having a set schedule for uh, for proposals is a good practice that we've seen. Of course, this is on Maker, and Maker had, uh, up until now at least, up until this week, I think, um, specific governance facilitators that their job was basically to manage all this, right? And they were paying people to do all this, right? A lot of DAOs don't have that. But um, they came up with this good practice, and, and it, it would increase participation because people can at least know when to expect to vote on, yeah. on things, right? So that's one that I think is a good practice that we've seen, yeah. Uh, that's, is, the I just question, is the question yeah. specifically about like the, the good practice that exists in DAO or like in general, yeah. like what's the good use case of DAO? Uh, I, I'd be curious for both, I, if you want to answer both, but the question is more about like, what's something that DAOs are doing well internally yeah like to to be an effective internally. DAO. but if you want to speak to both please do um uh, i mean like i think you know the practical one practical one is more insightful since you know we are pretty heavy in a in a DAO governance yeah i think like definitely like set schedule is 
is simple, but like it, it like it affects like a lot. And also, um, what like I, I think like governance facilitator is actually really important because mm. you know yeah. DAO can expect the whole community to you know to engage and participate by nature, you know, by themselves. But it's just hard. Like okay. sometimes it's really hard to coordinate, understand the what the understand the proposal process, or you know, coordinate with, like, like for example, uh, we Senate are planning to make proposal at Abe uh, for integration. But the thing is that we don't have a, enough voting power to to create proposal. So we kind of have to reach out to some of the delegates. To ask them to create proposals, but it takes quite a while. Like it's been more than like three weeks or something, maybe more. Yeah. Maybe more. <laughs> but at Maker, because you know there's you know specific people taking you know care of the whole governance facilitation, um, they can just immediately you know give you advice and also help you create proposals. And they put it up for next week. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and they are. Uh, so yeah, like having this like, you know, because at the end of the day, specifically for DeFi, um, governance is the only way to make decision and improve, like, you know, to, to change things. So you really have to put effort in facilitator. So having dedicated governance facilitator is, is really important. Like Uniswap Foundation is kind of taking care of that and it changed a lot, like Uniswap governance, mm used to be absolute none, <laughs> none forever. Mm. But since, you know, they created a unit foundation and, you know, really doing the facilitation, like it, it's, it's been, it's been pretty fun to watch and there are a lot of progress. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I think like that's, yeah. that's one thing I think that we can, you know, be sure to. And by the way, a, a shout out to, to Peyton and to Patrick and to, Yep, retro and all the all the governance facilitators OGs at Maker governance OGs because they were <laughs> they went to the wild west of governance <laughs> facilitation right and they figured it out and they created frameworks and they uh, mm. on a kind of hostile environment because it's Maker and people are you know con contrarian by default and so on so I mean the job that they did and and the examples that they set are actually. Um, I'm super. I'm super thankful for for that for that happening. Actually. Yeah, it's it's a whole different kind of leader, right? Because I feel like classically, if you're working for a big company, they'll say things like, you know, managers aren't the only leaders. Like everyone needs to lead, mm -hmm. right? But it's still the manager who's figuring out usually like how do we make decisions and you know facilitating the processes that kind of stuff. But in DAOs, it really is a new type of leader who is not in charge. Right. The whole, almost like the point is you're not in charge, but we still need you to manage a process that helps us all decide together what to do and yeah. how to do it. And that. yeah, facilitator. Yeah. I really like I think the term governance engineer. Well, those may be two different things, right? There's like the people maybe designing how governance works. Maybe that's the governance engineer. And then there's like the governance facilitator. Yeah. What do you like? <laughs> Should Gover be governance designer. The designer. Governance, okay, designer. Uh, yeah, uh, right. Uh, User uh, research. Yeah, exactly. And... <laughs> yeah, what I like about the facilitator uh, name is that mm -hmm. it kind of puts, you know, good facilitation is neutral by, by definition. 
which mm-hmm. means that the facilitator himself, he shouldn't have taken the game. He shouldn't have ownership, right? Yeah. For government, okay. for okay. government facilitation to be truly neutral and unbiased and um, correct, to be honest, they should be. Um, they should not have skin in that game, because if you facilitate the governance and you have that authority and power, I mean, you could choose which proposals to put up, by when, with which mm-hmm. options, right? You have mm-hmm. a lot of power to skew the results, actually. You know, and so. It's very important, at least from my point of view, that governance facilitators are neutral from the point of view of like, they don't have skin in the game. They don't actually have power. They just facilitate the process of power because otherwise they can, you know, benefit themselves very easily without anybody noticing. Mm. And it's, it's, it's kind of a sneaky situation. And so how, how do you align incentives though? Like, I feel like on one hand, it's good for the facilitator to be, well to be neutral. Yeah, yeah. simply just well paid. They need to be well paid for okay. their, their job, exactly, yeah. I mean, which in, gov- in, in MakerDAO they were, right? And it was probably maybe the first the protocol that was paying um, this kind of roles, right? And I hope it sets the example for more protocols to now Optimism is hiring a governance facilitator and uh, SAFE uh, was also um, also as a governance facilitator. Protocols so are paying a lot. Now they're paying well, yeah, for, that, for those kind like of Like Maker, uh, there's no governance facilitation uh uh, working group uh, anymore at Dow, but they okay. used to maker a uh, maker, but they used to pay one point about four mil a year for the group. For the group, whoa, which was like oh, two group, full-time, okay. two or three full time members with like four part time members, yeah. and they used to pay like one point four mil. Wow. Um, and also, uh, yeah, like Unistop Foundation, they are planning to spend five mil. I think like for the next three years for governance facilitation and you know yeah, uh, yeah. to yeah the so protocols yeah wow. pay a lot so I think like you know it's not really about the size of the compensation but like definitely it's one of the key points yeah yeah very interesting okay we've come up with a lot of really good suggestions for people that are starting DAOs um, for things to think about um, what about a favorite DAO or two to recommend for someone who's new to the world of DAOs. So relatively new to Web3 or new to crypto, what's a DAO to check out to learn from how they do things? And maybe you could try to think about not just like a top 20 project, but like DeFi project, but something even a little bit smaller as well. Smaller. Oh, yeah. that's difficult. Do you have any? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you got me you got me at an interesting time because I think actually because of you because last time we talked you mentioned nouns now and and the nouns yeah. ecosystem and I was like and I was like yeah I should have get, I should get into the nouns ecosystem but I was lazy and whatever and so yesterday I got into little nouns and all of a sudden I had bought three of them and all of a sudden yes. I was like reading the docs and you know so I got a little bit too uh, uh, <laughs> hyped on it which I think it's a really cool kind of uh, first type of experience for someone that's not uh, new, is not uh, native to this space, I think the nouns ecosystem is a good entry point. Because first of all, you can choose your variety, your category, right? Public nouns, little nouns, whatever, all the, all the other ones, which depending on how much money you want to spend and depending on the philosophical sense you want to, you want to participate in and so on. So I think it, it is a cool, interesting uh, entry point. Um, so I would recommend those ones for people starting out. And also I like the art. So I think the art is cool. So that's, mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's something as well. Um, 
And also, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of uh, DSI smaller DAOs that I think are really interesting. Uh, one that I like and I, I, I think it's totally uh, uh, deserved to shout out is Athena DAO, which is a DAO for research on um, women health issues. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, women health uh, is not always prioritized over male health in a bunch of uh, uh, drugs, in a bunch of cases, in a bunch of um, prescriptions and so on. And uh, and so they they are pulling money together to do work on that on that uh, uh, on that field, and uh, uh, they've been doing awesome work, I think. Uh, so that's that's an interesting one. And also, um, I mean, a while ago there was one that was trying to do a lift off, a vertical lift off and take off, a take off and landing a drone to be operated in like a Uber like kind of service. All open source, the hardware all open source, and people were building hardware on the open on Discord for making that happen. And I think it's it's interesting that also even for hardware projects, people are using the uh, DAO structure to organize themselves. Mm. Uh, so that's those are examples I think are you know diverse enough and and um, and still not that yeah. well. And and if anyone wants to check out the nouns DAOs, go to nouns.build nouns.build and you can see all the different uh, DAOs you could join. How about you, Kohei? Any any more to add? Um, I think like, you know, for newcomers, nouns is the best place to start. There's a simple reason. It's because governance is fun. You don't want to start with hardcore DAOs like DeFi. It's definitely mm. not fun. You don't want to be, you know, a difficult, long proposal about parameter change. When it comes to nouns, the proposal is about simply about let's let's you know let's decide how to spend money to you know to create better brand you know to spread the word about nouns and you know CC zero. So proposals I was reading yesterday was about making new event in Korea, or another one was actually was funny uh, was about making a condom with the uh, nouns logo and, you know, ship it, like making bunch of condo with the nouns logo and ship it to Colombia for sexual education pro uh, purpose, which is wow. quite funny. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's it's genuinely fun to engage and, you know, participate. Mm. And and also nouns, DAO got lots of push lead. So they actually have a power to make that happen. Um, mm. It's quite expensive to join. Maybe you want to start with a little nouns or maybe other kind of nouns, but definitely like nouns style community is really fun and you know a good place to start. Cool. I love it. And in some ways, very simple tokenomics. It doesn't mean yeah, it it's is. like easy it's or perfect, simple. right? But basically for anyone who doesn't know, every you can change these configuration settings if you create your own nouns-ish DAO with the nouns builder. But nouns itself and many of the nouns DAOs are a once a day auction for an NFT. So it starts with NFT one, two, three, four, five. Often each one has its own really cool artwork. And whoever wins that day's auction gets that next NFT. So and let's say NFT 255. Um, and all the money that you had to pay to win that auction goes into the treasury. And so basically, like the more demand there is to join the DAO at any given time, the higher 
the price each of those NFTs will go for and the more money your DAO will raise. And that can fluctuate with, with the market, with demand, with how many people want to join. So the price can go up, price can go down. Um, and, uh, and, and then you end up with all these NFT holders. Basically, each NFT gives you one vote. And that's your DAO. That's your community. Um, so it's, it is really cool. And also um, another, another important detail, which is it runs forever, which means that it's yeah. not, uh, there's no scarcity on belonging to the DAO because the, there will be the possibility of new uh, memberships being minted forever. Every one day, every 15 minutes, depends on the parameter of each DAO. So there's not, it's not like the, you know, more default DAOs where we launch a 10,000 uh, PFP unit collections and that mm, will only have 10,000 mm -hmm. members and no more than that. That's It's not like that. So it goes on forever. Yeah. Everybody can join today and buy one and, and they're in. They don't need to, uh, you know, negotiate to get in and like basically beg yeah. to get in or pay a high price to get in, right? So mm -hmm. there's no uh, artificial scarcity on the mechanism to belong to these labs. Well, I'd say it's a different type of artificial scarcity, right? It's still, I mean, one a day means you don't get to 10,000 for a long time, right? Yeah, so yeah, in some yeah. ways, that's more scarce than having just 10,000 from the beginning. But, but, um, some, but some of are one every 15 minutes, which is like a right. lot of that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the DAO can change those settings over time, right? If everyone agrees, you can change the minimum price. You can change, I think you can change the auction period, um, all, all that stuff. So... Yeah, super interesting. Definitely recommend people check that out. Um, we're getting close to the end of the of the pod, but uh, I do want to ask you guys one more question before we get to some closing thoughts, um, which is what about a favorite tool for DAOs other than Senate? And again, just put yourself in the mindset of someone who's starting a DAO, maybe for the first time. What's a tool you recommend that they check out to possibly help them manage their DAO? Manage their DAOs. A manage may not be the perfect word, but to you know help run the DAO, help to to the DAO. basically start participating DAO. You mean? Yeah, it could be a collaboration tool. It could be oh. a, a governance tool. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, DAOs are all about tools, right? I feel like every DAO when you start is like, what are we going to do for communication? Are we going to have more than one tool for communication? Maybe a forum yeah. and a chat. Um, what are we going to do for voting? One one that I think is um, is a kind of um, a ha ha moment for most people is uh, things like coordinate, because one of the questions that most people have is like, okay, you you join a DAO, you work for the DAO, and you get paid, but how much do you get paid? Who decides if there's no hierarchy, no bosses? Who decides how much you get paid? Blah blah blah. And systems like coordinate, where the whole community decides what everybody gets paid, are kind of like a Huh, okay, this is different than my company that I used to know, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so um, I think uh, Coordinate is a good example of a tool that is that has a more um, democratic DAO mechanic than most tools uh, that people are used to in the corporate world. And it's a good like eye-opener of like, oh, I could be doing things differently, actually. Mm. I could be deciding upon my compensation and my colleagues' compensation in a different way. It doesn't need to have like a manager or a leader that decides the composition for everybody else, right? And so I think it's a good uh, good experience for people that are wanting to get into the space to participate, going into a coordinate circle and, and, and uh, allocate their tokens, their distribution, all that, and realize how it works and how kind of like the mechanics is and how people feel about how much they got and they give to each other and so on. 
And uh, I think it's a good a good example of a tool that uh, I think it's now down native. It's not like a port from Web 2 to Web 3, right? It's something that could only exist in Web 3 or in the DAO space, let's say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a good a good uh, experience to have. Cool. Kohei, do you have a favorite? This is kind of a hard question because personally, like if you want to participate in experience DAO, I think you should just directly go and dive in. Uh, meaning is that not relying on tool, but just go directly, go direct, uh, directly j- jump into um, to forum. So each DAO, most of the DAO have uh, have a place called discussion forum where community member discuss about ideas and you know discuss about implementation and, and results and all that. And it's usually quite messy and. There's definitely a hurdle to 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 initially, you know, to dive in. But the interesting part is that uh, compared to traditional company, all the discussion, like not all, most of the discussions, are uh, in public and mm-hmm. from the beginning of the DAO. So let's say if you want to participate in Nouns, you can literally read and understand the whole context and journey of what what was happening in the past two years. On the forum, so I definitely like what I, I think. Like one of the most underrated tool in Dell space is I think Disco's uh, discussion forum, hmm. and uh, it's it's really fun. To me, like I think it's it just like becoming more like Twitter because there's always the governance drama, the discussions, the, you know, the previous discussion about like all the problems that they went through. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, and, and cool. for first time, a good way to start interacting is even if you feel that you're not understanding something that you read or you don't have full com- context to comment or whatever, starting to ask questions about what people are posting, yeah. even if you dumb question, doesn't matter. But start yeah. asking questions. Some people will notice like, oh, this person is actually asking good questions. Why doesn't the original yeah. poster thought about this, right? And you mm-hmm. can start to create your own profile and reputation of like, oh, you're being you're the person that asks cool questions, so. Yeah, what's your question about this new proposal, right? And start to get yeah. the reputation like that. So your own process of discovery of getting gathering context about the particular DAO by reading through the forums, you can actually make it a little bit more practical and useful by, oh, by the way, I have a question about this. What Have you thought about this? What do you mean when you say this, blah, 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 whatever it is, whatever clarifying question you can come up with, just post it and people will engage with you and start to recognize you as a, someone that asks cool questions. And that's a good first start. I love that. I love that. Awesome. Well, guys, this has been so fun. Um, before we close, uh, where can people find you and Senate on the web or on social? Um, the easiest URL is senate.app. So just go to the browser and senate.app and it shows. And we are Senate Labs on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Um, and uh, that's it. We have a Discord that um, we're not really using that much uh, still yet but we will and um we also have a github page where you can see all all of our open source stuff so yeah that's kind of it awesome thank you and for the audience you can find me on twitter at zero x thriller or my dao is at my dao ds on twitter or my dao.org m-i-d-a-o.org quick disclaimer none of this is ever and has been none of it has been legal advice or tax advice or any of that i'm not a lawyer these guys are not lawyers 
not legal advice. Um, <laughs> please consider liking the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to and subscribing. Uh, and again, don't forget to reach out to Mido if you're interested in Web3 legal entities or you need to talk to a lawyer or tax advisor. And again, Kohei and Paolo, this has been so much fun. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Adam. It was cool. Thanks for having us. Let's Absolutely. go. And for the audience, if you're thinking about starting a DAO, just DAO it.